11. I want to talk to you today about this thought of why do you stand looking up into heaven? Or I guess I could say, why are you looking at that? Why are you looking at that? I want to talk to you about this unique interaction between Jesus and his disciples. And then after that, it becomes Jesus and, or no, the disciples and the angels. Because Jesus is taken away into the clouds and the disciples are challenged by the angels. And in our vernacular, they basically would say, what are you looking at? So I want you to look at what he says here in verse 10. It says, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven... As he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, all of you men of Galilee, look at his words, why stand all of you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as all of you seen him go into heaven heaven. So I want to talk to you just briefly today. What are you looking at? Basically, I always take it from the scripture and I say, their words, and I can do that. It says, why do you stand looking up into heaven? But you know, I, I kind of just, that, that, that seems right with me to just simply ask you, what are you looking at? And um, I remember as a kid, well, before I get into that, let's pray. Father, Touch this word, touch my mind, touch my heart. God, what the enemy has meant for evil, God, you are going to turn it around for our good. I dispel, God, I come against any spirit of intimidation or fear or worry. God, you have called us to do your work, and God, we're going to do it. God, we're going to chop or we're going to swing the axe as long as we're here. And so, God, that's what we do today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And everybody at your house says, amen. <coughs> Excuse me. Have you ever told your kids to do something and they just don't do it? We've got just a few here today in the, in the church. You can't see it, but they are even saying amen because every one of us has been there. And if you have never had a kid to be there, you were that kid at one time that did not do what you were supposed to do. Or have you ever had that moment where you had told a child or someone to do something and they just stand there either staring at you or staring at the TV or continue staring at their phone? Maybe it's a spouse or maybe it's a friend or maybe it's a kid that this resonates with you and you are remembering moments where that's happened. See, the question that you would raise to them is, what are you looking at? And the reason is because you've been they've already been told what to do. You ask this question because... They are supposed to be doing something, but yet they are staring at something instead. They have been told to clean, to work, or to do something 
that is constructive or has been told to do by their parents or by their spouse or by someone that's in authority, yet they are just simply standing there. In fact, in my day, I remember it would have been a Nintendo or a TV. If it was Saturday, I was probably watching cartoons. I've tried to show my kids some of our morning cartoons that we had growing up, and they just laughed at them. The other day, I brought out my Sega Genesis and ordered a part and put it up on the TV, and they laughed at them because things that I used to think were cool no longer are cool, but... In my day, it was, it was a Nintendo or a TV or a cartoon or a sports program when maybe I was told to do something and I just was caught staring and gazing and not doing what I had been told to do. In this time that we have today and understanding that we are live streaming and people's attention is not as great as it probably should be on live streaming and that's understandable, but... I want, to he- I want you to hear this point because before we move into what I believe God wants us to hear today, we must understand that the disciples had a job to do. The Lord had walked with them for 40 days. The Lord had been resurrected. Jesus had come out of the tomb. Jesus had been crucified and buried and now come out of the tomb. And he had walked with them for 40 days. He had walked through walls. He had fed them on the seashore. He had walked with them on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus had done so many things. But yet Jesus tells them so many times, even before his crucifixion and after, he says, you've got a job to do. You've got a people to preach to. In fact, when you are witnessing the call of the disciples, You see that the Lord speaks to Peter and James and John and all of the other ones and says, You are a fisherman, but I will make you fisher of men. The Bible shows us that no matter if they were tax collectors, if they were people of the religious sect, that God had a role for them in the kingdom. You can go all the way into the book of Acts and see that even someone like Saul who was killing the people of God, that God had a work even for him. But here in Acts chapter 1, every disciple that is there, in fact, Paul goes on to tell us in his writings, I believe in Corinthians, that there were over 500 that watched the Lord ascend into heaven. And every one of those people had a job to do for the Lord. They had people to preach to, they had fish to catch, and they had a church to help build and see flourish. And for you, we as people, we have something that God has called us to. You, yes, you. You can pinch yourself on the shoulder. You can can rub your head or you can just point at yourself and poke you in the chest if you want to. I am talking about you today. You that are on the couch, that are at the 
dining room table, in the, in the car, wherever you may be, you have a job that God has called you to do. It is not a passive job. It is not a stuck-in-place job. It is not a lukewarm job. It is not a status quo job. But it is a moving, active job that God has called you to do. You have, called, you have been called to be His people. You have been called to share the good news. You have been called by God to do what He has gifted you to do. And you have been called to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right there in your living room, would you just give God praise that you are a part of this great body called the body of Christ. And we must understand that the status of our circumstances does not cause us to cease in our kingdom affairs. I want to say that again because I believe sometimes when we write something like this, we, we kind of lose the power that is behind it. But listen, the status of our circumstances, should I stop and say the jail cell, the persecution, the finances, the coronavirus, the job, the business, none of those things, none of those circumstances, it does not cause us to cease. That means it doesn't cause us to stop. It doesn't cause us to quit. We cannot tuck tail and run. We cannot fold our arms and just say we are over with it. But no matter where the Lord has positioned us, we still have to be active in the kingdom affairs. What do you mean by kingdom affairs? I mean what Jesus said when he went out to talk to his disciples at the end end of every gospel. He said go into all of the world and make disciples. The church, the believer, we are here to preach the gospel. To talk the gospel. To live the gospel. To be the city on a hill. That means that wherever we find ourselves, we are to be actively in the kingdom business. We are to be working in the kingdom affairs that God has called us to and the status of our circumstance does not cease what God has called us to in the kingdom. Say amen. And so as the disciples are, the disciples are there, the disciples are a part of this, and the disciples are working, they are walking with Jesus. They are toiling with Jesus. They are, they, they are expecting some things with Jesus. And there's three things I want you to see in these short moments that we have together. As we are, as, as we are looking at what they are doing, I want you to, to just look at the progression of their concern and their questions. The disciples are with the Lord. He is resurrected. He is in a glorified body. He is at a place to where no one has been. He has been resurrected from the dead. And he is now that glorified Savior. And so when we see Jesus, Jesus comes and Jesus is resurrected. And, and Jesus, is, Jesus is walking with them. And I can only imagine that they are worried about what is going to happen instead of what he had called them to do. And so one of the first questions that they say is this. They say, Lord, are you going, in fact, let's go to the book of Acts chapter 1 if we can. 
And I want you to see the, the wording of their question. The Bible tells us that they are with him, but Jesus is about to ascend. Acts chapter 1 takes us into this in detail. And the Bible says that when they are there with Jesus, the text today is actually verse 4 through 11. But we only read verses 10 through 11. But look at verse 6, the first point. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, listen to his words, it is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. In fact, I don't want to say that Jesus said, mind your own business, but it was as if Jesus looked at them and said, it is not your concern. In fact, what they were trying to do is figure out when it was going to be set up. I am intrigued by end time. And for the believers and the people that are called and the people that are of the church, I believe it is very important that we know where we stand. I do believe that we are in the end days. I believe that we are in that generation that will see the Lord return. I believe that. But God has not called me to simply just worry about that. He's also called me to preach the gospel. It is historically accurate that when the disciples would see each other, they would say Maranatha. It would mean the Lord cometh. They had that in their mind. But when I read about the disciples' ministry, I read about Peter and John coming and preaching the gospel. I read about Paul and Silas preaching the gospel and reminding people that yes, Jesus is going to come back. Yes, Jesus is going to return. But what the Lord had called them to do was to preach the gospel to people that did not even know that there was even a Lord. In fact, I believe it's in Acts 19, I believe they said we had not even heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were John disciples and so as I begin to read this I begin to think about it is time for the church to no longer worry about something that is completely out of our control let me tell you I know Jesus is coming again I study to show myself approved but I know I believe that I'm going to make it and can I say it just like I believe the Lord dropped it into my spirit he looked at the disciples and Jesus said I have called you to preach I've called you to declare the truth I've not called you to worry about setting up a kingdom but I want you to preach the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ in church today we are in unprecedented times we are we, we are in times to where we can probably be overly concerned with what is going to happen when is the end going to take place when is the end of the coronavirus going to happen when are we going to be able to get back to work when is the economy going to happen when is the economy going to get back to where it was but I'm telling you today may we, may we take our minds off of what is going to happen and in the midst of the situations that we are in may we continue to work and do what God has called us to do and I want to commend those that have been coming because they are able to come even with the restrictions they can come and sing and we are hopefully a testimony to you at the house 
Christ. You can still in the midst of a pandemic be faithful to what God has called you to do. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you can be salt and light. You can be salt and light in Walmart when you got a mask on and you got gloves on. You can share the good news to the Lord. When you're six feet apart, you can still be a beacon of hope to people. Church, may we no longer worry about what is going to happen, but we must be faithful and do what God has called us to do now. And the disciples said, are we supposed to be setting up the kingdom? And Jesus looked at them and said, no, you're supposed to be doing what I've called you to do. And the question that I have in the first point is, how many of us has been faithful to what God has called us to do right now, even in the midst of this pandemic? May we not be so overly concerned. I know we've got to be smart and wise and cautious, but may we not be so preoccupied with a virus or the economy or what the government is going to do, but may we be very wise and cautious in continuing as a church and as the called out body of Christ, being faithful to what God has set us up to be, and that is the mighty body of the Lord Jesus Christ that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Hallelujah. And then they go on and they say these things. They get told this, Jesus basically says, mind your, do what, mind your business. Do what I've called you to do. Do what I've stationed you to do. Be the fisher of men that I've called you to be. Be the church that I've called you to be. In the midst of this pandemic, I'm just going to say it. I saw a church on, on Facebook that, 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 that wanted to prove a very valid point, but they went a totally wrong way in proving that point. And they came across as sour and rude and different things. That's just my opinion. And that's not what we're supposed to be. I believe that we are supposed to be a mighty church that is fired up for the Lord. And in the midst of the pandemic, I believe that the same God that I serve, that through the means of the internet, can go to a home right now and begin to touch somebody in, the, in a home by the fireplace in the recliner they can be at the refrigerator and God can touch them right where they're at and God can save them and God can heal them I don't have to go to a hospital room and I don't have to go to a home when Bill Lindsay got diagnosed I turned on the video chat and through video chat I claim the blood I plead the name of Jesus and I believe that God can touch and that means just as much as he can when I'm laying hands on them in the altar we must be about the Father's business. And we're going to get to that here in just a moment. The Bible says, though, that after they had been told these things, that they, caught, they got caught glazing or staring at the clouds. Now, that may not mean nothing to you. But as they're sitting there and as they are watching, they had been in a euphoric moment. They had literally seen the resurrected glorified Savior. I mean, they had seen him walk through walls. They thought revival was just going to continue. They, Man, have you ever been in a revival service where you thought it was just going to continue? You didn't think you would ever have another attack. You didn't think you'd ever have another craving. You didn't think you'd ever have another bad thought. You didn't think you'd ever have to deal with that again. And then all of a sudden, the next week, boom, the enemy hits you with it again. That's where they're at. 
They're sitting there because, see, when you're walking with a glorified body, I mean, glorified Christ as close as they were, I mean, it is as if nothing can take you. It is as, it's as if you are walking on cloud, is it nine that we talk about, or 10 or 11 or 12, and you are so high up, you are, you are in a place of just complete confidence. But then Jesus ascends, leaves the resurrected Savior. It began to make me think about moments and seasons where I was on fire and then all of a sudden it would leave. And it was a description that is described in the Bible there that says that Jesus ascended and no longer could you see Jesus. All they saw was clouds. It was as if, it was as if they, they, they looked up and there goes Jesus and then it disappears and all they see is clouds. The disciples had been in a post-resurrected celebration of a glorified Savior, but now that vision of Him has been covered up by clouds. They can't see Him. They, don't, they, they can't feel Him any longer. In fact, they, it doesn't even say there that they hear Him. They are just sitting there gazing as if to say, what do I do next? I was, I was hearing from heaven, and now it's covered up by clouds. I was seeing visions, and now it's as if I'm seeing nothing but clouds. It's as if Jesus has disappeared, and, 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 and now... We, we were in a moment of moving forward as a church. We were in a moment of revival. And now the coronavirus comes and the pews are empty. And it's as if it has been covered up by clouds. And what happens is in those moments, fear comes in and intimidation comes in and doubt comes in. And we find ourselves being locked in our tracks. Or we, be, we find ourselves almost like a deer in headlights. We find ourselves ourselves still and we find ourselves saying God we can't go forward all we can do is stare at where you used to be and glaze at the clouds at where you were and they just sit there and they look and they this is if they I can see the disciples right there just in just looking what next what next Lord and I don't know if they turned and they looked at each other and, and, and then looked back or what they did. But when Jesus, when life throws you something that you do not expect, when life throws you a season that no longer do you see the visions and no longer do you see the resurrected Savior like you once did. In those moments, we cannot get caught just staring at the clouds. We cannot just get caught being frozen by our fear and our doubt and our worry and allow the devil to come in and make us begin to feel as if we are ruined and we'll never see what God has called us to do. And that is not what we... And right now, I may know that there may be someone listening to this sermon in the church that we are in now or on Facebook or on YouTube here in a moment and you are stuck in your tracks and you are stuck in your tracks because you have gone. There was a season where you knew God was moving and you knew God was doing a great work but all of a sudden the clouds came in and began to hide everything and you no longer 
longer saw the Lord like you once did. You no longer heard the Lord like you once did. You no longer felt the Spirit like you once did. I'm telling you it is not a season to where God is dead, but it's a season to where you are going through that if you'll hold on, you'll see that God is the same in the valley just as much as He is up on the mountaintop that the God that you heard in the season of fire and anointing and restoration is the same God that's in the season of the valley and the despair and the worry if you'll just hang on if you'll just keep trusting and if you'll keep doing what he's called you to do God will come and show up right on time and that's what happens they never they never saw Jesus again in this passage the angel is the one that came now, if, I'm, if, I, if I, I've got to be honest, if I'm the disciples, I don't want to hear from the angel. I want to hear from Jesus. They're looking and they're saying, what is going on? Why, God, what is happening? We can't move forward without you. But see, God's not called us to just stand still. God's called us to move forward. And so here's what happens. They're sitting there gazing, and the angels come in and say, guys, I can hear, I'm going to talk to them like I probably talk to my kids and my, my parents probably talk to me. What are you doing here staring at the clouds? Well, Jesus was up there. I'm just waiting on Jesus to come back. Guys, well, you're supposed to be doing something else than this. You're supposed, to, uh, well, it's the coronavirus. I don't know if I can move forward. Uh, look, the coronavirus can't stop the church. I know that it's dangerous. I know that it's a genuine, it is a genuine disease and virus. But Jesus said that the gates of hell could not destroy the church. Well, what are you staring here, guys, looking at the clouds? And I can hear Peter and John and all of them say, Jesus was right there and now he's gone. And we can't do what he's called us to do without Jesus. Can I say it like this? We can't do what he's called us to do without the church music and without the pews and without the, the building and without the church that we know it. But it was as if the disciples, I mean the angels came down and told the disciples, listen here, you've not been called to stand here and look at the clouds. I know it's not what you planned on. I know it's not what you anticipated. But when God calls you to do a work for him, he does not call you to make sure everything is going to be okay. He doesn't call you to say, I want you to go preach and then you have to go and make sure that you got the right page plan and you got the right church and you got the right scenario. No, what he wants is somebody that'll step out of the boat and say, God, if you call me on water, I'll step on the water. God, if you call me to preach to thousands, I'll preach to thousands. But if you call me to preach to just five, I'll preach to five. See, God does not ask us if we approve of the scenario, he just wants us to move when he says move. God didn't check on the church and say, can you handle the coronavirus? Because God has called the church to be the church despite whether or not we are in the midst of a coronavirus outbreak. It is the same as it was in 1918 with the influenza. It's the same as it was in 2002 with the SARS pandemic. It is the same as it was when the, with the, with the swine flu came through. Whatever it is that tries to take people out, God does 
not checked with the church to say, can you operate in the midst of this pandemic? No, he calls the church to say, to say in the midst of this pandemic, we can still square our shoulders back and be the church that God's called us to be. If it's through Facebook, if it's through Instagram, if it's through live stream, if it has to be door to door, if it has to be in a home church, wherever it is, the church will stand no matter the circumstance. My God, my God, that means that the word can still be preached. That means that the Bible can still be taught. That means that you can still pray for people. You can still call people. You can still be the witness that God's called you to be. I know at Walmart they tell you you can't give a six feet from people. People break that rule like crazy at Walmart. The other day I was walking down the aisle and somebody rubbed up on me. And I thought I was going to have a panic attack. But they've got these little feet print or a foot, uh, little steps that you can stand on when you get in line and it tells you what six feet is. But that six feet cannot keep you from being the called out child of God that he's called you to be. Let's just try it the next time. When you're in that six foot parameter, just look at them and say, do you know Jesus loves you? Do you know God loves you? How's your day going? And they may look at you and say, I've been diagnosed. I know someone that's been diagnosed with the coronavirus and you can stop and say well can I pray for you I'm not going to break this six foot parameter but what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pray in the name of Jesus that they would be touched and ministered to let me tell you this situation this pandemic does not cause the church to cease but I'm believing it is causing the church and the children of God to flourish and to arise and shine and be the light of the world that Jesus has called us to be he said why are you gazing what 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 are you staring at my children bless their hearts I know they always get tired of me using them but they're the only example I got (laughs) one of them is bad if they're folding clothes I'll let them figure out later who it is If the television is on, if they're folding clothes, this is what happens. And while somebody else has folded like 20 things, they still got that one thing in their hand. Nobody knows anybody like that. And it's almost as if you, what are you staring at? What are you looking at? You're supposed to be doing something else. And I heard the Lord say to the church and to me as I was praying and trying to decide what to do for this Sunday. I felt God say, what are we staring at? What are we looking at? Who have you witnessed to in the midst of this pandemic? Who have you worked out your calling with in the midst of this pandemic? Who have you begun to message on Facebook? Who have you called? Who have you texted? Who have you stood? Uh, who have you gone to and tried to minister to in the midst of this pandemic? Because the church is not called to stare at the coronavirus. The church is called to look at the coronavirus, understand that it is a threat, and say we still have to be about the Father's business. In the book of Luke, chapter 2, and I'm going to close right here, there are several things that can cause us to falter. Fear can cause us to stand. Fear can cause us to 
be complacent and be still in our paths. Doubt can cause us to not move forward. Confusion can cause us to be very fretful in making any kind of move for God. Complacent fear, being lied to by the enemy can cause us at times to feel ourselves becoming like Moses when he was complacent at Jethro's and Elijah like he was fearful under the juniper tree and David when he was lied to and said you can't slay the giant. But God has not called the church to just simply stand and gaze. But God has called the church to move. Because a church that moves is a church that has moved on. And a church that has moved on is not held down by the frets or the worries of the past. And they are not overcame with fear because they are worried about what they once did. But they have moved on. They are overcoming church. They have embraced God's plan for them even though they are marred and even though they are not probably who they should be, God in His sovereignty and in His grace has called them to do a work for Him and God wants them to move. And so in the book of Luke, we hear the words of our lovely Lord. We hear the words of Jesus Christ when He is around the age of two. The Bible says that his father and his mother had lost him. The Bible said that they were at the Passover festival. Around 42, verse 42 of Luke chapter 2. And the Bible said that when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. And after those days were over, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents did not know they lost him. Bible says they looked, verse 46 says, after three days they found him. I want you to hear the words of our Savior. They found him in the temple complex sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And all those who heard him were astounded. They were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astounded, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have anxiously been searching for you. 49 goes on to say, Why were you searching for me? He said. Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not know, nor did they understand what he said to them. One translation says it like this. Did you not know that I had to be about my father's business? Listen to me, church. Singers, would you come as we get ready? Listen to me. May we be like our Savior at the age of 12. That when everybody thinks we should be standing still, that the church itself is moving forward. May we be about the Father's business. May we be about witnessing and winning souls and preaching the gospel and declaring. May we not be in shutdown mode. 
May we not be in the mode that says, God, we are worried to death about corona. And because of corona and the economy and the stress and the anxiety and everything that's going on, we've just got to stand still in our progression. There is a difference in standing still and listening to God and standing still in your progression in your calling and faith. And the angel looked at them and said, what are you looking at? And I want to end by asking you that question. What are you looking at? Are you looking at the lies that the enemy has told you? Are you looking at the danger of the circumstances of what we are in right now as a world? Are you looking at the trouble that Satan is threatening to throw into your life? And is that allowing you to stand and be engaged and not move forward? And let this preacher echo the words of those angels. What are you standing and gazing at the clouds? This same Jesus that was ascended, he is going to descend and come again. And until he does, go called you to do. He's called you to be faithful. He's called you to work. He's called you to live for Him. He's called you to be a witness. He's called you to go into the darkest of the darkest places and be an example of what it means to be a, a, a believer and a member of this mystical body of Christ and that is our job and our duty. Fox News and CNN and all of the world look at us and say there's something different about them. They are not being intimidated by the situations but they're moving past them saying God has called us to a greater work. Pray with me if you would. Father in the name of Jesus I pray God that you would anoint that you would bless that you would heal God, I pray, oh Lord Jesus, that you would begin to move, God, upon people right now, God. I pray, oh God, that you would begin to minister, God, to those that are, God, at their house right now, saying, God, that I have been quarantined and I can't do anything for you. I pray, God, that in the midst of this message, God, they would understand and see that you have called them. God, that they can do a work even where they are at. May we not stand still. And be fearful and doubtful. And God, listen to the lies of the enemy. But may we move forward and move on and do what you've called us to do. For in the process of moving forward, in the process of continuing, in the process of doing what you've called us to do, God, we will experience things that we have never even dreamed of. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you, if you would, to just lift your hands right now before we log off. If there's someone here that says...